0: The U.S. is headed for another debt ceiling fight. The Democrats, as usual, are using the threat of making the nation default on the debt as an excuse to ram through a bunch of payoffs for their cronies. Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader in the House, is insisting on a slimmer bill to avoid defaulting on debt without spending lots of money on liberal nonsense. What is the White House position on the matter? The White House is arguing that if Republicans don't cave on every ludicrous spending item the Democrats are proposing, our bones, the bones in our bodies will literally melt.
1: The president's bold climate and environmental justice agenda could not stand in starker contrast to the dangerous proposals MAGA House Republicans are putting forward. As you can see from the slide behind me, here you go. While President Biden is fighting to clean up toxic pollution and lower costs through Clean Energy Tax Credit, Speaker McCarthy unveiled a ransom note holding our economy hostage. It's a 320-page plan to kill jobs, fill our cities with smog, and give asthma to our children. The proposal would repeal the Inflation Reduction Act's Green Energy Tax Credit, sending thousands of jobs back to China. It would make it easier for oil companies to use toxic chemicals that cause severe burns, damage people's eyes, and quite literally melt bones.
0: That's one of the craziest things I've ever heard from a White House press secretary. Not just from this one, who is particularly hyperbolic, but from any of them. But the wildest part of that statement is that, putting the debt ceiling aside for a second, the White House has uniquely, among all presidential administrations, embraced a policy that would destroy bones. Inasmuch as this administration uniquely has embraced transgender surgeries, including for children, one of the main side effects of which is osteoporosis, the weakening of bone density, such that many victims of these quack procedures are permanently crippled by them. It's not just that the White House line is dishonest. It's that it's completely backwards. But this is the sort of thing that we've come to expect, especially from this White House press secretary. Last month, when this White House press secretary baselessly accused me of supporting genocide, the greatest irony of that lie was that the White House itself supports genocide through abortion, which slaughters some 800,000 babies each year. Not only are we not doing the thing they're accusing us of, they themselves uniquely are guilty of it. It's not a new phenomenon, but it's worth pointing out every time that they prove it. When the libs make an accusation, not only should you assume it isn't true, you should assume that they themselves are guilty of it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. This episode, I am so pleased to tell you, is brought to you by Good Ranchers. Free bacon, great meat, a secure price, and an extra $20 off with my code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Head on over to goodranchers.com. Use my code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, for $20 off your order. Some really Spicy footage from the liberal establishment on the January 6th, worst day ever in all of history debacle. And one of the men who's at the heart of that debacle, Ray Epps, we'll get to that in just a little second. First, though, I, I want to focus a little bit on the Green New Deal and the White House spending and what the Democrats are up to here. We we have this debt ceiling fight regularly. And we could have a relatively clean bill to raise the debt ceiling, to give the Republicans a little bit of what they want, which is to rein in some of the spending, raise the debt ceiling. Okay, we move on. We're not addressing any of our underlying economic problems, but here's where we are. And the Democrats won't do that. The Democrats are using this as an opportunity to ram through all sorts of insane spending. AOC, has just upped the ante even further by reintroducing the Green New Deal. You remember the Green New Deal when she first introduced it some years ago? It it would have cost something like $90 trillion over 10 years, would have completely upended not just our environmental policy, but our whole economy. It would have gone down to every level of our society. It would have forced people to knock down their buildings and rebuild new green, energy efficient buildings. It would have, it would have impacted every aspect of our political economy. And people laughed at her at the time. Remember, Mitch McConnell said, well, I really hope that uh, the Democrats vote on this. We need to bring this up to the floor for a vote immediately. And everyone is giggling. Ha, ha, ha. AOC is going to embarrass the Democrats. This is going to go nowhere. It's going to hurt the Democrats in the elections. Well, who's laughing now? AOC is reintroducing the spending plan. Senator Ed Markey is introducing it in the Senate. And here's what AOC said. She said, when we first introduced the Green New Deal, we were told that our vision for the future was too aspirational. Four years later, we see core tenets of the Green New Deal reflected in the Inflation Reduction Act, the largest ever federal investment in fighting climate change, with a focus on creating good green jobs. Put a pause right there. Even the Democrats are admitting the Inflation Reduction Act had nothing to do with inflation. It actually made inflation worse. The Inflation Reduction Act was entirely about climate change, climate change being the animating propaganda for their entire radical agenda. And they admitted this not just now, they admitted it right after the Inflation Reduction Act passed. Even Bernie Sanders said, this is not a bill about inflation. This is a completely different bill. And he did, it seems, want to bring down inflation, which was hurting Americans. But no, they just rammed it through as a climate change bill. And the Inflation Reduction Act included parts of the Green New Deal. Well, now AOC wants the rest of it. She goes on, she says, There is still much, much more to do. Today's reintroduction marks the beginning of that process of strengthening and broadening our coalition and of laying the policy groundwork for the next fight. This is a really important lesson for the American right. We on the American right were too timid. We suffer from a failure of imagination. We think that if we tell people clearly what we want and what we think, that oh, it's going to scare off the moderate voters. The centrist, the voters, the suburban women in the suburbs of some part of the country. We can't do it. Did the Democrats worry about that? Did the Democrats ever worry about turning off the moderate voters? No. The Democrats, just in the last 10 years, redefined marriage, the fundamental political building block, They have pushed now for a sacramental view of abortion that permits abortion at any moment up until the very second before birth. They rammed this through in New York and elsewhere around the country. They've pushed not only to chop off people's genitals, but to chop off the genitals of very young people, to put little kids on cross sex hormones, to to introduce transgender ideology into kindergarten and preschool, to, to put drag queens in elementary schools and libraries to read to little kids. And on and on and on and on to to pass a $90 trillion bill to upend our entire social order. They don't worry about it. And does it cost them anything? Sometimes in the short term, yeah, maybe. But in the long term, they know that they win. In the long term, on on an issue like this, AOC is going to have the last laugh. Because the, the conservatives, ironically, see the conclusion of these policies. We understand what the slippery slope looks like. We know that if you redefine the relationship between men and women back in the 1970s, we know that that's going to lead to redefining marriage and redefining even human nature itself. We know that. We predict that. At least the, so, the social conservatives do. The traditional conservatives do. But then we have a failure of imagination where we say, but that's, that's probably, that couldn't happen. They're not really going to do that, right? There's no way. The most shocking aspect of the whole transgender debate, which nobody can shut up about, the most shocking aspect of it to me is that we're talking about it. Did you ever think in the year 2023 that we would be discussing at what age it's appropriate to chop off somebody's genitals? The liberals imagined that, and then they did it. And maybe conservatives, when we have a clear vision of society, maybe we just need to push and push and push and don't give up and don't allow one little election cycle to get us down and don't allow the headlines from CNN to get us down and just keep pushing like AOC good honor you know what she's doing is awful it's a terrible idea but good honor she's got political vision and she's got political talent and right now she is having the latest laugh on this issue no doubt about it speaking of our sexual revolution headline in new york post Gay Thrupple hopes to be second in U.S. to officially be parents. So these are three guys who like each other more than guys who are supposed to like each other in a different way than guys who are supposed to like each other. And they're pretending that they're married, and now they're adopting a child. When things get really crazy in your economy, you're going to want to have your wealth and some tangible assets. You're going to want to consider birch gold. Right now, text Knowles K N O W L E S to 989898. 98, 98. The government spending is out of control. Long-term bonds have diminished in value. It's crippling banks. Depositors are holding their breath. Investors are bailing on bank stocks. You can't spend your way out of inflation. Right now, text Knowles K N O W L E S to 989898. 98, 98. And this volatile market diversification has never been more important. That's why buying gold with birch gold is such a smart choice. Gold is a tangible asset with a reliable store of value because it's not tied to any one economy or currency. It can be a safe haven in times of crisis. Gold can help you hedge against inflation because its value tends to rise when the cost of living increases. Unlike other assets such as paper currency, the supply of gold is limited, which can help to maintain its value over time. Birch gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA In physical precious metals such as gold and silver. Time to start thinking about your investments and your future. You need to consider diversifying into gold with Birch Gold today. Text Knowles, K N W L E S, to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold and talk to a precious metals expert. Text Knowles to 989898. The New York Post is known for some pretty crazy headlines. Craziest part of this headline, though, it's not the gay throuple part, it's not the idea that they're adopting, it's the they're not even the first to do it. This has already happened once before. Now there's another trio of men who want to adopt a little child. From the article, quote, Tegan is going to love having three dads. She will always have so much love. We would let them know love is love from a mother or a father. And them here, one of these men is referring to them in the singular. They're so saying the daughter instead of saying Let her know, saying let them know that love is love from a mother or a father. Ben said, one of the fathers, according to the Independent. So that sounds really nice. That's a nice, happy, liberal line. Look, she's going to have so much love. We're going to let her know that love is love from a mother or a father. But what's the translation of that? The translation of that sentence is mothers aren't important. Mothers don't matter at all. Baby doesn't need a mother. Forget about a baby doesn't need a mother. Sometimes tragedies happen. Mothers die. Okay. Mothers don't matter. Mothers don't add anything to raising a child. That's what that means. And that is the view that is now popular in liberal circles. And it's the view reflected in our law. The moment that any municipality in this country permitted gay adoption, I'll go further back. The moment that any municipality in this country permitted single mother adoption or single, is single father adoption a thing, I hope not, but probably it is these days. The moment, that, the moment that our law said that marriage is either the union of a man and a woman or the union of two men or the union of two women, the moment that the law said those things, the law said mothers don't matter or conversely fathers don't matter, that's no, fine. You don't. There's no. There's no advantage to having a mother or a father. It's just whatever. Whatever adults want to do to satisfy their sexual appetites and fantasies. That's all that matters. And then if they want a kid because they have a natural longing to have a kid. Well, that's fine. And if they're in a disordered sort of situation. Well, you know. They're just. That's just love is love. Love is love. Wouldn't it be good if the kid had a mother though? Don't you think? Not shh. Love is love. Love is love. That's what that means. The story goes on from one of the fellows. To know that I'm making a path for other relationships that look like mine feels good. It reminds me of the early days when I was fighting for legal rights to get married to a man or two lesbians to marry. This is a really important sentence. Because he's wrong about the idea that two men can marry each other or that two women can marry each other. That's not possible. There's no, no... No hate on the fellas, you know. I got plenty of friends who have all sorts of uh, divergent views of sex and gender, okay. I'm from New York. I went to a very gay university. I lived in LA. I have a disproportionate number of friends who have gone down these paths and have these kinds of views, okay. And there's no animus toward anybody at all. It's simply a fact of the meaning of the word marriage, that if marriage is to have any meaning at all, it has to involve sexual difference the moment you take that away you take all the boundaries off of marriage and very quickly thereafter you end up with a throuple all the conservatives who said well if we're going to redefine marriage to take away sexual difference why won't we have polygamy soon and what did the libs say they said that's a crazy ridiculous slippery slope stupid argument well here we are it's not marriage wasn't redefined all that long ago and now we've got not the not the first throuple to adopt children but the second and you're going to see the third and the fourth and the fifth And the sixth, the point that he makes here, though, is actually a very good point. One of these fellas, he says, this reminds me of the early days when I was fighting for legal rights to to redefine all these things. And I know that I'm making a path for other relationships that look like mine. That's true. If we tolerate this as a matter of culture and law, we're going to get more of it. One of the big mistakes that the right has made in recent decades is we've bought into some kind of magical thinking according to which if the government outlaws something, you don't necessarily get less of it. And if the government encourages something, you don't necessarily get more of it. You see this especially in shallow debates over drugs. Every every pothead sophomore in college will say, hey, man, you know what? I I think we should legalize all the drugs. Because the thing is, man, if you legalize the drugs, you're going to get less of the drugs now, man, because it's illegal. Everyone's doing it more. But if you make it legal, man, you probably get a lot less of it. You know what I mean, man? (coughs) That's what they say. And that has never been true anywhere (laughs) ever in human history. And it's just a basic fact of economics and human life If you incentivize something, you get more of it. If you disincentivize something, you get less of it. And right now, our society has laid all of the groundwork to incentivize throuples and throuples adopting poor little kids who will be intentionally deprived of a mother or of a father. And that's wrong. That's very wrong. And if if we all know that this is wrong, as we all do, then we have to ask, well, why is it wrong? And if we want to correct that wrong, we're going to have to go back and fix some of the errors that we've made in recent years. Speaking of fallout from this weird sexual revolution, there's an athlete in North Carolina, a female athlete who has sustained massive injuries after being spiked in the face with a volleyball by a trans woman athlete. So a man who identifies as a woman spiking this ball into her face. There's a video of it. Wall goes up. Okay, here comes this ladylike trans. And it's, I you don't want to look at it because you know it's it's so clear, it's so awful. Knocks this poor actual woman down and gives her all sorts of injuries. The woman was just speaking in North Carolina on what those injuries have been like.
1: I was severely injured in a high school volleyball game by a transgender athlete on the opposing team. I suffered from a concussion and neck injury that to this day I'm still recovering from. Other injuries I still suffer from today include impaired vision, partial paralysis on my right side, constant headaches, as well as anxiety and depression. I was unable to play the rest of my last volleyball season and although I'm currently playing softball, I'm not able to perform as well as I know I have in the past because of the injury. My ability to learn, retain, comprehend has also been impaired, and I require accommodations at school for testing because of this. Allowing biological males to compete against biological females is dangerous. I may be the first to come before you with an injury, but if this doesn't pass, I won't be the last.
0: Certainly she won't be the last. As we see more and more of this, as we see transgenderism as a social contagion, don't forget the rates of transgender identification among youth have skyrocketed in recent years, gone up 50%, 100% over historic rates. You're going to see more of this, and you're going to see more of this on the volleyball court and in all of the sports leagues. And I've said before, talking about the integrity of women's sports is a is a perfectly fine example to highlight the absurdity of the transgender ideology but It's not the main reason why transgenderism is wrong. As I've pointed out, nobody watches the WNBA. Nobody really cares about women's sports per se. We care about women's sports because it's an example of the injustice of this transgender ideology. The argument for transgenderism is these poor, confused people, they're having a rough go of it, so let's just let the fellas go into the women's bathroom, and let's let the fellas play in the women's team, and let's just kind of go along with it, okay? Well, here's the cost of that. This is a finite world. Everything has costs. Everything has trade-offs. We are just talking about economics. So the question you've got to ask yourself is, is it worth it? Is it worth concussing young women and partially paralyzing them and, and permanently disabling them to affirm the fantasies of deluded men? There are going to be people out there who say, yeah, that's worth it. Something tells me it's going to be the same people who say babies don't need mothers. Yeah, mothers don't add anything. Women don't add anything to society. We don't, we don't need to recognize sexual difference. Who cares? I bet it's going to be the same people who say all of those things. But, but that's not what I would say. I would say it most certainly is not worth concussing young women, young girls, to indulge a delusion, uh, on the, especially when it's on the premise that by indulging this delusion, we're going to vastly improve the mental health outcomes of these young, sexually confused people. When we don't, there's no evidence that that happens at all. And in fact, the largest data set on the transgender phenomenon has shown, and there's an excellent article about this over at Heritage by Ryan T. Anderson, that largest data set has shown that there is no mental health improvement as a result of the transgender procedures, both surgical and hormonal. And in fact, on one score, on the score of anxiety, it would seem that the people who have these procedures do worse, okay? So nobody benefits. Everybody is harmed, and some people are harmed especially. We're talking especially about uh, a a woman like uh, this poor young gal who now has permanent injuries, okay? Now, I do have some good news amidst all this crazy culture. The good news is you can get great meat at a great price if you check out Good Rancher's. Right now, go to goodranchers.com, use promo code Knowles. If you've not changed the way that you buy meat yet, you really need to. I'm going to give you three reasons that I personally subscribe to Good Ranchers. Number one, Good Ranchers is giving you free bacon for a year. That's a pound and a half of bacon in every box. That's a $240 value. Second, Good Ranchers offers a price lock guarantee, which is insane when we've got record inflation. It means that when you subscribe, your price does not change for the entire length of your subscription. When the price of meat is expected to increase by another 4.5% in the coming year, this could be a huge savings for you and your family. Third, Good Rancher's meat is unlike any other. They're all natural burgers, USDA prime steaks, and better than organic chicken will change your standard for great meat. I am very particular when it comes to my food, okay? I am easily satisfied by the very best. Good Rancher's is far and away the best out there. The quality of the meat is just insane, and I eat good ranchers, if not for the outright majority of my meals total, three meals a day, at least for the plurality of them, okay? I just adore good ranchers. GoodRanchers.com, use code Knowles, K N W L E S, for $20 off your box. Free bacon, great meat, a secure price, and a bonus $20 off today. Promo code Knowles at GoodRanchers.com. GoodRanchers.com, American meat delivered. You know, when leftists tell you that America is systemically racist. They are lying. All evidence points to the contrary. Every attempt to fix this non-existent problem in the name of equity uh, is making the country worse. Heather McDonald is shutting down that malignant ideology of anti-racism in her brand new book, When Race Trumps Merit, how the pursuit of equity sacrifices excellence, destroys beauty, and threatens lives. She exposes how the BLM-fueled equity obsession is destroying Western civilization. We no longer enforce many criminal laws because doing so has a, quote, disparate impact on minority criminals. By lowering standards, Heather explains, we've jeopardized scientific progress, destroyed public order, and poisoned the appreciation of art and culture. When Race Trumps Merit is an eye-opening book, And Heather is unafraid to break taboos about academic achievement and crime. She provides the data and the life stories that show the damage being done to the country in real time in the name of equity. The book is fabulous, as is everything that Heather writes. Go check it out today. When Race Trumps Merit is available on Amazon and wherever excellent books are sold. You want to talk about trade-offs? There's a Wisconsin high school, which girls, after their practice, after gym class, they'll take a shower. And in that locker room, you got 14-year-old girls trying to shower. And then you got an 18-year-old man who identifies as a woman. And the 18-year-old man comes in. And in this high school, the girls often will shower in their bathing suits. But this 18-year-old man who identifies as a woman, he decided he's not going to identify. Or he's not going to wear his bathing suit, rather. He's going to strip down completely naked and expose himself. This is an 18-year-old dude to 14-year-old little girls. This occurred just on March third. This was not that long ago. Is that worth it? It's your daughter, 14-year-old daughter. She goes in, she showers after gym class or after a sports practice in her high school. 14-year-old daughter looks and there's a fully grown, 18-year-old dude, stripped naked, right in front of her, showing off everything he's got. Are you going to tolerate that? Is that trade-off worth it? To Maybe make the guy feel a little bit better, even though there's really no evidence it's even making him feel better in the long run. Is that worth it? No. And this is why, by the way, we can no longer tolerate this ideology anywhere in society at any level. This is why. It's not because we're meanies, it's not because we're forcing the issue, we didn't force the issue. It's the libs who forced the issue. There, there was one of the people from Media Matters, uh, uh, Zachary Drennan or Drenner. He's one of the pro-trans people over at Media Matters. And he asked me, because he posts my clips all the time. He's my, effectively my publicist over there at Media Matters. And he, he asked me one time, he said, Michael, why have you taken such a hard line on this issue? back when you interviewed Blair White some years ago, Blair White is a a man who's kind of, he's mostly right wing, but he identifies as a woman, but he knows that he's not really a woman. And it's, you know, he's got a kind of nuanced view on the issue. And he said, when you, back when you interviewed Blair White, you asked the question, what pronouns am I supposed to use to refer to you? So why now are you taking such a hard line? Well, I haven't changed my view of things. Exactly. I haven't changed my view of what makes a man and what makes a woman and what pronouns are supposed to be used for men and women. But back in those days, in those long ago days of five years ago, sometimes people would make little exceptions or at least little jokes because there have always been a very small number of sexually confused people who indulge either a sexual fetish or a kind of a delusion, or they've just got some issues where they think they're the opposite sex or very much want to be one. And very often society would just kind of let it slide a little bit. Okay, we'd say if you you met a man who was dressed up as a woman, you might say, oh, hello, how are you doing, (laughs) m'lady? Hi there, Sheila. Yeah, isn't she really nice or whatever? And you'd kind of make an exception, or you would make a little joke about it, maybe. Or, in the case of the bathrooms, for a very long time, there have been every one in a million, some guy who's confused, who dresses up as a woman, and goes into the bathroom. And if you ever saw it happen, you'd think, this is pretty weird, and maybe you'd be a little bit more on guard. And if a guy saw it, you know, you'd know, keep, keep a little situational awareness here. But people would just kind of let it slide out of pity for these very, very troubled individuals and for the fact of this fallen world in which things don't always make sense and things go awry often. The libs will no longer allow us to express that kind of pity or make those kinds of exceptions. Because the libs are now trying to enshrine this eccentricity, this absurdity. They're trying to enshrine it as a principle of our society. They're trying to establish it as a principle of law. They're trying to make us all say, this is the truth. This is true. And if a man says he's a woman, he has the right to walk into any woman's bathroom he wants. He has the right to shower in front of any 14-year-old girls he wants. And we can't tolerate that. You're you're forcing the issue and you're making us say, no, it's a lie. You're totally wrong. You have no right to do this at all. I can't even, if you're going to call society's whole attention to it, we can't allow this. It's just wrong, All right. You are forcing the issue, and the libs have forced that issue. They started to force this issue after they got the redefinition of marriage. All of these pro-LGBT organizations that wanted to keep the money rolling in and wanted to keep the activism going and wanted to push the ideology further, they all pivoted to transgenderism, the quote-unquote human rights campaign especially, which that was the, the group that had the equal sign bumper sticker. They realized, well, we're a big, powerful lobby, and we got everything that we wanted, so what are we doing now? We got to keep the money coming in. All right, we'll, we'll become the trans organization now. And so they started pushing for it, and, and they forced us to take a clear stance on it. So that's it. Do you want 18-year-olds stripping naked in front of your 14-year-old daughter and showering with her? No. Then transgenderism has to be eradicated from public life entirely for the good of society, especially for the good of the confused people who have fallen prey to that delusion. The whole preposterous ideology at every level, period. And that's why you're seeing Republican politicians now adopt that stance. When I said it at CPAC a month ago, a little over a month ago now, the Libs totally freaked out. They lied about what I said, including the White House. Now you're seeing Ron DeSantis down in Florida adopted that position just last week. Great, good stuff, good on him. You're seeing a lot of other Republicans around the country adopt that position. We have to adopt that position. We have no other choice. That's, that's, that's what happens when the Libs force an issue. Speaking of the public turning on this issue, Bud Light has just placed that VP of marketing who pushed for the Dylan Mulvaney beer can, just placed her on leave. This is Alyssa Heinerscheid, not to be confused with sweet little Alyssa. There's a huge variety among Alisas around here. Alyssa Heinerscheid, VP of marketing at Bud Light, will for now be replaced by Budweiser global marketing VP, Todd Allen according to anheuser Bush, InBev telling Ad Age. But she's just on leave. She hasn't been fired. She's just, she's laying low for a little bit. Even this is indecisive. She reminds me of an old political principle, which is sometimes a wrong decision can be better than indecision. Here, since the Dylan Mulvaney controversy, Budweiser doubled down on the sponsorship, then pretended it didn't know anything about the sponsorship, then made an advertisement about horses or something, then issued an apology letter where there was no apology. And it was just the Budweiser CEO talking about how much he supports the military or something. And then they, but then they can sort of continue to double down. And anyway, now they're putting the VP on leave, but I don't know. It's it's very, very indecisive. And it's it's harming them immensely. I think they could have survived it if they would just shut up, but they can't do it. So they lose $6.5 in market cap, and now lots of bars won't even carry their beer. And now you've got Kid Rock just shooting machine guns at boxes of Bud Light because of how outrageous this ideology is. And now it's going to be hard for them to recover. Had they been decisive, they either could have doubled down and said, yep, we're now the pro-trans beer, and plenty of companies have done that and survived. Or they could have said, nope, this is insane. We support frat boys and construction workers, which is the actual customer base of Bud Light. But that indecision has has given them the worst of both worlds. Speaking of the public turning, public opinion, and speaking of Governor DeSantis, great news out of Florida. 41% of Floridians support Ron DeSantis' new six-week abortion ban. Now, there are going to be some people who say six-week abortion ban. What about the babies zero to six weeks? I know. I agree. Abortion is wrong. It's wrong to murder people, especially wrong to murder innocent little babies. And so, yeah, it's wrong. And we should just get rid of abortion totally. There are plenty of other alternatives to abortion. Abortion solves no problems. It does not rectify any crimes. It's just a crime in and of itself. Totally agree. But you see DeSantis now just starting to ratchet it up a little bit. Okay, we got this ban, now we got a 15 week ban, now we're going to go to a six week ban. The great news here is that the public seems to be going along with him. At no point, as Charlie Cook put, points out at National Review, at no point in the history of Gallup polling did Gallup find 41% support for a ban on abortion before 12 weeks. In fact, Support for abortion used to be much, much higher. He says, if we average out the responses that Gallup obtained between July 1996 and May 2022, we see that 64% of Americans believe that abortion should generally be legal in the first three months of pregnancy. And now you've got 41% saying it It shouldn't be legal after six weeks. So this is one of these few issues on which the public has become much more pro-life. Well, it's obviously, this is the one issue in which it's become more pro-life, but this is one of the few issues in which the public has moved much, much more into our corner. And you're seeing that play out in real time. And you're seeing the evidence of that because conservative legislators and governors are pushing these kinds of bills. Reminds me of a line from Cardinal Manning, which is that there is a day to come that will reverse the confident judgments of men. We live in this ever, uh, ever-present, Or we think that we live in an ever-present, where nothing is ever going to change the way things are right now. That's how they're always going to be. That's not true. That's not how time works. That's not how history works. Progressives think history works in this totally straight fashion from bad olden days to good future days, where they're going to get rid of all the conservatives and they're going to live in a utopia. That's also not how history works. Sometimes the confident judgments of men will be reversed. Sometimes the advancement of history sees people moving more and more over to our views, the sane views of things. It's a reminder, too, of a line that's, that's alternately credited to Dean Inge and Fulton Sheen, which is that if you wed yourself to the spirit of the age, you will find yourself a widow in the next. It's a lesson to all those squishy Republicans. Don't just buy into whatever you think is popular or fashionable or inevitable. Don't do it. Buy into what is right. This is what DeSantis said on the trans issue. He said, look, he said basically exactly what I just said. He said, if you are going to force this issue on us, you're telling me I've got to live according to lies. You're telling me that I've got to participate in a lie. I'm not going to do that. If you pursue the truth, it might make you unpopular at any particular moment, but you're going to be in a much better position in the long run. My favorite comment yesterday is from, have a seat over there, who says, I want a Will Smith docu series starring Michael Knowles as Will Smith. I think that's a great idea. I think it it'll it's a, a wonderful palate cleanser after you watch the new Netflix Cleopatra. It's it's gonna it's gonna be great. We're gonna we're gonna have colorblind casting. Okay, good. I will get to the Will Smith movie right after I finish my Malcolm X biopic. It's gonna be really really great. I'll already start practicing. Keep my wife's name out of your well, I, you know. This is a family show. I'll save the profanity for when we make the movie. So we got some big, big news, baby. We got some. We got a new candidate in the race for president. That candidate, Larry Elder.
1: My announcement, Tucker, is that I'm announcing that I'm running for the presidency of the United States on your program. And thank you wow. so much for giving me this honor and this platform. Of course. Uh, my website is elderforpresident.com, elderforpresident.com. And Tucker, the reason I'm doing this is because, you know, my father was a World War II vet. He served in, in, on, on the island of Guam. He was a Marine, first black Marines. They were called Monfort Point Marines. My older brother, my late older brother, Kirk, was in the Navy during the Vietnam era, and my little brother Dennis actually served in Vietnam in the Army. I'm the only one who didn't serve, and I don't feel good about that. Uh, I feel I have a moral, a religious, and a patriotic duty to give back to a country that's been so good to my family and to me, and that is why I'm doing this, Tucker. Well, that's amazing. Congratulations.
0: Now, uh, Larry has been signaling that he's interested in running for president in, in recent months. So now he's coming out. He's doing it. He is entering the field. His explanation is a fairly standard conservative explanation, which is, I want to serve. You know, if my, my country calls on me, I'm going to do it. And Larry Elder's a very popular guy on the right. So the, the reason that Larry's announcement to me is so interesting is because Larry is something of an anomaly in the Republican field right now. There has always been something of an anomaly. (laughs) It's L.A. guy, Sage from South Central, who's quite right wing. Uh, But he's something of an anomaly here in that the field is winnowing, okay? The field which initially we were told no one's going to run for president. Trump enters, he's going to clear the field. Then Trump enters and Not everyone cleared the field. Some people started announcing. So then conventional wisdom said, everybody's going to run for president. And that was briefly true. Everybody was talking about running for president. Everybody was exploring running for president. And then Ted Cruz said he wasn't going to run. And then at least he's signaled he's not running. I I don't know that he's explicitly come out and said, I am not running for president. But he, he does not appear to be doing the things that a candidate would be doing. I'm not even playing coy uh, since we hosted a show together for three years. Um, it just doesn't seem like he's running in 2024. Mike Pompeo came out and explicitly said, I'm not running in 2024, even though he had been strongly signaling that he would. Mike Pence, it remains a little bit uncertain. Who else? A lot of the big guys seem to be sitting this one out because the field looks right now like a two-man race. You've got Vivek then enters, Nikki Haley enters, Tim Scott enters. Maybe you get another candidate. Chris Christie is making some signals that he'll run. Chris Sununu is making some sim- signals that he'll run. Asa Hutchinson, I guess, has declared that he's running. People haven't talked about that very much. Joe Exotic, of course, from Tiger King. But in terms of the really top polling, top-tier candidates, it seems like it might be a more modest field than a lot of people say. And Larry Elder might have a spot on that debate stage. Now, speaking of Tucker, Larry made that comment on Tucker Carlson. Tucker's gotten in a lot of trouble because he has reminded people about Ray Epps. And we've done that on this show, and conservatives at at least the real conservative outlets have kept bringing up this guy Ray Epps. You remember Ray Epps, was, he was the one person caught on camera encouraging an insurrection on January 6th. He said, we're going to storm the Capitol. We're going to go in. And actually, the night before January 6th, I think by my calculation, that would be January 5th, Ray Epps was saying, we're going to go in. We're going to storm the Capitol. We're going to get him. And then all the people around him, all the pro-Trump demonstrators, they said, Fed, Fed, Fed. (laughs) This guy's trying to instigate something. Don't, Don't listen to him. So we called that out. And then there was something else that was a little strange. All of these January 6th people, right down to the little grannies who were just going into the Capitol Rotunda, all these guys have been rounded up. They've had the book thrown at them. Some of them have been placed in solitary confinement. And yet Ray Epps totally is let off the hook. Initially, his photo was up there. Go get Ray Epps on the law enforcement websites. And then it just kind of disappeared. Doesn't look like he was ever arrested. He's faced no punishments. Well, now 60 Minutes is doing a fawning profile of him, uh, lamenting how people on the right, including and especially Tucker Carlson, keep saying his name. He's obsessed with me. He's going to any means possible to destroy my life and our lives. Why? To shift blame on somebody else. If you look at it, Fox News, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Ted Cruz, Gates, they're all telling us before this thing that it was stolen. So you tell me, who has more impact on people, than them or me?
1: Epps, once a loyal Fox News watcher, told us he doesn't understand how he got cast as the villain. The Epps version is more mundane. They believed the 2020 election had been stolen from Donald Trump and considered January 6th a legitimate protest.
0: It was a sloppy election. And then to top that off, you have talking heads reporting that there's problems with the voting machines and different things like that, the election's stolen. So yeah, we had concerns. I, I wanted to be there. I wanted to witness this with my own eyes. Okay. So this is a case of mistaken identity. You guys just know I'm not, I'm not a Fed. I'm not I'm just a guy who sincerely believed this was a sloppy election. And so I just went there and I Encouraged people to go storm the Capitol, and I was accused of being a Fed at the time, but I kept up my charge. I said, No, no, we gotta go storm the Capitol, and then I'm the only prominent January sixth there who was completely let off the hook. And so this is awful. I don't know why all these conservatives are trying to ruin my life. Okay, look, I don't know, I don't know. Whether or not Ray Epps has a relationship with the federal government, I do know that this FBI and this DOJ have used pretty nefarious means of trying to undermine Donald Trump and conservatives. I know that this FBI and DOJ send spies in to go infiltrate Catholic churches because some of those conservative Catholics, they're enemies of the regime, according to Joe Biden. So they're going to go in, they're going to try to flip the priests to rat on the the shepherd's flocks. Can you imagine? I know that. I know that the FBI and the DOJ were spying on Trump's campaign in 2016 on completely bogus grounds. I know that they did their very best to undermine the duly elected presidential administration. I know that they do that all the time. So I just, my only question is, let's say that Ray Epps is being completely sincere here. He's totally telling the truth. Why is Ray Epps the only prominent guy from January 6th not to have been arrested? Why is Ray Epps the only guy, as far as I can tell, caught on camera encouraging people to breach the Capitol? Why is he more prominent in this regard than the Horn Hat guy who got the book thrown at him, more prominent than the Nancy Pelosi lectern smiley Florida guy who got the book thrown at him, went to jail? Why is Ray Epps the most prominent, prominent January 6th there, the most vociferous, the most aggressive in his rhetoric. Why is he the only one who just got completely let off the hook? And then furthermore, why are the liberal media producing fawning profiles of him? Why does he get this fawning 60-minute special? Why does he get fawning coverage in the New York Times? Little bit sus to me. Speaking of the Borg, Speaking of the matrix we're all living in, AI will soon be teaching reading and writing at within 18 months, according to Bill Gates. So Bill Gates, who's one of the more prominent voices pushing the liberal dystopia that we all seem to be hurtling toward, pushing the great reset, as some people call it. Bill Gates predicted that AI will play an integral role in the education system within 18 months. And he's probably right. Bill Gates says, what a good teacher does is take your essay and mark it up and say, oh, this isn't clear, or the summary should have included this. This is a high cognitive exercise, and software, except at the really trivial kind of grammar level, has had essentially zero ability to do this, uh, particularly once you get out of a very templated writing exercise. The amount of feedback to help me improve my writing is very low, but these AIs are actually good at that, and and he's right about that. AI is a lot better than spell check in Microsoft Word back in the 90s. And probably could teach you the nuts and bolts of writing better than a lot of people. But what, what this misses, what this very pro-AI movement misses, is that teaching is an act of love. Pedagogy is an act of love. You, you know this, even if you didn't like some of your teachers, probably you did like some of your teachers. I stay in touch to this day with some of my teachers. I, I correspond with my kindergarten teacher <laughs> to this day. Okay, I love my teachers. And what they taught me was a lot more than the nuts and bolts of writing. My 11th grade English teacher taught me how to write. Everything I ever learned about how to write, I learned in 11th grade English class. But I learned many, many other things from my teachers because pedagogy, the act of passing along knowledge, is an act of love that is human and constitutes our culture. And if that is replaced by robots, then our culture is going to be an increasingly robotic decreasingly human culture. It's Music Monday, baby. We got to get to it. The rest of the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. Become a member and use code Knowles at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Dailywire.com slash Knowles, code Knowles. Right now, go to preborn.com slash Knowles. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saved over 58,000 babies. Thank you to all who made this possible. We need to celebrate these precious babies. When Charlotte found out she was pregnant, she was seven weeks along. In the back of her mind, she thought abortion was the best solution. She went into a preborn clinic and after hearing her baby's heartbeat and seeing her beautiful baby on ultrasound, she chose life. Her heart is filled with gratitude for all of you who made this possible. Just 28 bucks a month, can be the difference between the life and death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears that heartbeat, it is a divine connection that doubles a baby's chance at life. Let's join together, help mothers choose life. To donate, dial pound two fifty, say keyword baby. That's keyword baby, or go to preborn.com/slash K N O W L E S. Preborn fundraises separately for all the administrative costs. So every dollar you give goes straight towards saving babies. Go to preborn.com slash Knowles, and donate right now.